I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. He's Keegan Hall and he's next. And now from the legendary Studio B. So you're in Seattle with Gregor. So Keegan's work got pointed out to me by another Seahawks-loving Seattleite. After an initial glance at his Instagram and then later Facebook.com slash Keegan Hall Art, it was pretty easy to see that this dude is legit. Now, while art should be left to stand as an expression, when collaborations with guys like Cam Chancellor from the Seahawks or Macklemore and Ryan Lewis from Macklemore and Ryan Lewis, when those start to show up, it's time to take notice in what a person is capable of achieving who they can move. Fueled, sadly, by personal tragedy, Keegan was able to relight an artistic fire that's now reached as far as the freaking White House. He's about as humble in his delivery as he is able with graphite on paper. No, I mean, coming out of a, a college at University of Washington, I just jumped right into it. I, was, I knew I wanted to work in sports and being a diehard basketball fan, there was really no other place but the Seattle Sonics. Sure. It was just like, how the heck do you get your foot in the door? What'd you do? I pretty much took the lowest level job you can imagine. So I worked game nights only in the beginning. Yeah. So I, I think it cost me like 20 bucks to park. And I made like $15 <laughs> for like the whole night. So it wasn't really a great business decision, but um, it, I got to meet a few people. So then the next year, they started up a brand new sales program, essentially. So I was one of the inaugural staff members of this new sales program and kind of just you know, did well from that and progressed through the organization. So five years later, that's, they, they moved. Yeah, right. So, <laughs> so that was kind of the end of my basketball career. It's crazy because I, I think that people have this like, I'm going to work at the big sports team and it's going to be incredible. And unless it's the Seahawks, yeah. um, I feel like that there's a, a pretty big surprise to people when they get in at that entry level. It's not glamorous and there's not a ton of money to be made. You really got to hustle to do it. So I, that's yeah true for all sports. It's like this ultra glamour job you know, from the perception. Yeah. Uh, the only people that really make the big bucks is, is, is obviously the on-field talent. Yeah. It's probably like that across <laughs> sure. all entertainment levels. Yeah. Um, and it, it's just like any other business. But I think the most challenging thing that I, I found was that um, it, it's so unlike any other business in the sense that your paycheck, if you're in sales, your paycheck is largely dictated on wins and losses. Oh, yeah. So, oh, I never thought about that. And we had one we had one playoff year when I was there. Yeah. So like everyone was like slapping high fives on the sales team. <laughs> it was wonderful. But the other, you know, four years, it's like you're trying to sell this quote bad product. Yeah. Is the perception and people are just like, ah, you know, don't call me, you know, whatever. So it's tough. That's great. I, it makes me respect my uh, ticket sales guy for the Mariners. I have like a real partial season ticket there. Yeah. And like, that guy's like super cool. He's hustling though. But he's he's got to be hustling because 
when they're when they start looking good, even I mean with the Mariners, I can only imagine because you know a twelve thousand people on a Thursday is still not like okay. <laughs> that's even when they're good, that's still like a thing because it's hard to get into. The yeah, they got those fixed costs, man. They got to fill the seats, and uh, <sighs> it's easy when the team, especially you know when the team's down, it's like ah, oh, you know those guys suck. Like I don't want to go, so it's yeah, I, I I feel the pain, I live the pain. Wow. So I, I have a newfound respect for whenever I go to any other arena or stadium, yeah. I'm like still have my my like salesman hat on and looking around and kind of seeing what's going on and how it's how they're kind of solving those problems. Oh, that's funny. When we were talking before we hit record here, I um, we were talking about how like ah, I could probably get tickets if I wanted to from calling somebody or whatever. There's a sales guy out there that's like, no, damn it, buy a ticket. Come yeah. on. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, cool. So I had no idea that you were so tied into the Sonics like that. That's cool. It must have been heartbreaking when it started. The rumors started rolling around that they were going to pull out. Oh, in the, in, a, in the beginning when they left, yeah. Oh, it was brutally. Yeah, I mean, it was. Uh, it Spor- was sports love aside. Yeah, yeah. I mean, your livelihood is there, yeah. and of course, the, the love for the team. And uh, it was just interesting being on the inside because, of course, they position it uh, in a way. They don't want the staff to leave. Of course, you know, you got a company to run for a little while until the team actually packs the bags and, and moves to a new city. So, even internally, they were selling us that, hey, we're gonna we're building a stadium in Renton. So then that's what we would tell everybody else. No, no, no. It's it's great. We're going to have a nice brand new shiny stadium in Renton. So, you know, get your seats now and put your deposit down for that, you know, a few years from now when that stadium's there. And it was tough. So I think even for me personally, you know, I was there through that whole transition when Clay Bennett came in and bought the team. He came into the office. We, we Everyone, you know, met him and he looked mm-hmm. us all in the eye and, you know, we're keeping the team there. Don't worry. All that nonsense. And then, of course, we all know what happened after that. So, ah, uh, must have been heartbreaking. That it was tough. The was city t- still reels from it. I think that, that I think that was a real kick in the ass for the city to be like, uh, maybe we took something for granted there for a minute. Well, absolutely. I mean, you see what all the other teams, like Sacramento, the Kings did a few years ago. Yeah. When um, you know there was a purchase, uh, you know, we were going to buy the team and move them up here. And now, because they wanted a new arena down in Sacramento. Yeah. So then now that they the Maloose used that as leverage, saying, hey. See what happened to Seattle? They didn't get their arena. They left. You want us to leave? You better give us that arena. And they got it. So I haven't followed up on that. I wonder how, what their attendance is like. I wonder if it's paying off. <laughs> I doubt it. They're probably, <laughs> yeah, the fans there are like, ah, oh, you know, our team is average. So, Well, that's crazy because what I know you for is for doing uh, graphite drawings and stuff. And so those two worlds are like a million, a million years apart or light years apart there. <laughs> like, that's crazy. It is, it's, I mean, my kind of like story in general is kind of just bizarre from like my childhood up through, um, you know, college. Like, you know, you were... When I was young, I was like an artist, you know, that was like what I wanted to do. And then you realize that that's probably not a career option. So then I like, I tried to shift gears into like being more business oriented and, and tried to like shake this title of like, oh, he's just an artist to like really build like a a business uh, background. And then now it's kind of come full circle. It's like, (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I do business and stuff, but I also do art and I'm okay at that. Well, this is a story you've had to hash out a million times, but tell us about like how you're, you're, you shouldn't even be here right now. Like, uh, tell us about when you're a baby and like the first the first challenge of your life is this baseball game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I only have heard about it secondhand, of course. <laughs> of course. Uh, I mean, both my parents were were really big athletes. They were always active. I remember just growing up, going to you know from from baseball, basketball, bowling. They were just yeah. always involved. Are so. you from here? Yeah, about uh, 45 minutes south, uh, Sumner, yeah, Bonnie sure. Lake area. Yeah. Um, 
So yeah, I was just at one of my dad's softball games. I was like nine months old, just like a little baby. And uh, my dad was holding me in his arms as everyone warmed up pregame. Uh, you know, someone hit a ball, shortstop, fielded it, and just, you know, winged it to uh, the first baseman. Totally missed his mark. Actually flew out into the crowd and just hit me square in the skull. Like didn't even hit my dad's arm when he was holding me. Just hit me right in the head. Oh my god! And uh, I, I mean, this is every parent's nightmare right now. Yeah, like, as a, I have a daughter myself, and it's like mind blowing to even think about you know how I would react. Yeah. How did he react? Uh, luckily for me, my dad reacted pretty quickly. And as the story goes, uh, he kind of you know tucked me like a football and then took off just running instantly just started running through the parking lot and it's five points of contact he's like, yeah just go go he's at the 10 at the five Pete Carroll's on the sideline <laughs> chewing gum yeah waving his arms on in uh and apparently there was like a car with his door open like they were just arriving at the field and he just jumped in this stranger's car and like took off and like drove to the hospital strange person yeah we got we gotta go and uh there was a uh, a fire uh, station like nearby, so he went there. That was like the first kind of place where they assessed me, and it was there was the damage was too great that they couldn't really do much for me there. So they actually led like a brigade oh my God. of like ambulances through the streets um, to a, a real hospital. Yeah, and it, t- it turns out my skull is fractured in all these spots. And, oh my God! Uh, yeah, man, it's. Uh, yeah, but I'm here. Yeah, it worked out. So, yeah, I didn't mean to, like... Did you make it... Did you? Were you, like, a news story that day? Today on King 5 or something like that? Did I, I wonder if anyone picked up on that. That's Gosh. a crazy story. Maybe now there's, like, social media. It might get, like, a blip. Yeah. yeah. But back then... I, I don't know. Maybe that was normal back then. Like, kids were just getting hit all the time. Ah, just what like, happens. Another one. I'll put him in that ward over there with the <laughs> baseball hit, hits. <laughs> the head ward. That's... um Okay, so, I mean, from there... I love that story. I just It's on your <laughs> website and everything, too. You can go back and read it a million times at keeganhall.com. Um, okay, so but you're a, you grew up just an artist kid. Like, what was your medium? What did you like? I mean, an, an artist kid might be a little bit too um, you know verticalized. Where I was like the kid who I like. I played sports. Like, I love basketball. Was like okay. captain of the basketball team, whatever high school. But I got good grades, you know. So that was kind of like a little different. But I was a skater kid. Oh, like cool. I had the long hair, and I listened to like the grunge, and like like I I was like I fit in everywhere, and then fit in nowhere like at the same time. So, yeah, it was like, it was this very weird childhood. And my parents, like, gave me the freedom to kind of just, like, be who I wanted to be, which was really cool. And so... Were you predisposed to playing sports a little bit then because your your family was so sports-minded? Yeah, totally. And I think I just had, like, that natural curiosity of, like, wanting to learn things new and wanting to be, like, the best at those things. So I would, like, get obsessed, whether that's art or sports or business or whatever. Yeah. Basketball, anything else? Any other sports? Uh, I mean, I played all of them when I was younger, yeah. but that was like my main one that I was like decent at. Yeah. You know, I, I had to give up the dream after high school. You know, I, I probably could have played like small time community, community college, but yeah. I wanted to be a Husky and I wasn't that good. So yeah, I had to <laughs> hang, up the, hang up the shoes. Where'd you play uh, high school ball? Uh, Sumner. Cool. Yeah, we were terrible, but uh, that's awesome though. But it was fun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was a good time. Uh, but what was your medium then when you were doing art as a kid? So I experimented a little bit with with everything. I mean, as a kid, kid, you know, you do all the like the color pencils and crayons yeah. and like, you know, pencil, and that that was the one that kind of stuck with me. As I got into high school, you know, I did some charcoal stuff, did some stained glass. Oh, cool! Uh, yeah, that was actually pretty fun. Uh, I did. I've actually done some really. I was like a big comic book guy too, so I did um, a big Spawn stained glass. Oh, Spawn was so cool. Oh man! Like, well, I, in Puyallup, this is like way back in the day. There was a comic book shop 
called The Spider's Web, okay. which was owned by Todd McFarlane. Yeah, it was crazy. And this was like before he was like Todd McFarlane, like everybody knew, but he was already drawing Spider-Man back then. So I would go in there and I would obviously buy comic books and draw from them. But he had all this original artwork up around the whole store, like framed from like original Spider-Man editions. Wow. So I would just go there and like marvel at this stuff. Like, (laughs) yeah, it was awesome. That's okay. That's incredible. So, but like a kid, you would just try different things and just goof off with like it's. I mean, when you're a kid, you got a lot of time to kill. I feel oh, like. totally. You yeah, know, lots of video games. Yeah, yeah, lots of. I draw from comic books, so yeah, I, I did like a little bit of everything. I remember how cool magic markers were. Like, uh, what, what, <laughs> you, what year did you graduate high school? Uh, ninety nine. Okay, cool. We're the same age then. Okay, um, perfect. And so yeah, I remember being a kid, and magic markers were like the jam, and like they were the scented ones, ones or the all of them. Yeah, sure, <laughs> I'll take scented. Remember scratch and sniff? I feel like the I'm South Park right now. I'm like, remember scratch and sniff stickers? Um, but it's uh the. I feel like there was like a real breakthrough of mediums when we were like in the '90s there, like the early '90s, where kids had more opportunities for less cost to be able to to do this stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. That's great. So you. <laughs> I mean, some of us have a uh, we're predisposed to be able to do something like you're good at doing some art, or you like like comic books, so you learn to draw from them or whatever. Mm-hmm. The idea that at some point you like got to take your life a little more seriously sucks. Yeah, growing up's not cool sometimes. Yeah. Uh, but that's crazy. Okay, so were you into music and stuff too? Was was there any? You said you like grunge and stuff like that. Were Were there any people that were like doing art and hustling a business at the same time that you kind of could look up to? Like when you were a kid, did not, that get to you? Not. Re- I mean, it's that's I've noticed that more as I got back into art that those two paths are very very different. Like art and business, if you, those don't overlap typically with a yeah. single individual. So I think that's definitely helped me as I tried, you know, I've tried to build like a sustainable business out of art, which is, you know, something by its very nature, not sustainable, right? Or scalable, excuse me, scalable. Um, You know, you're one person, you can create one piece of art, it takes you this long, and then you just repeat. So you can't ever really get this, uh, you know, scalable operation going. So you got to kind of be more creative. I talked to this guy who does, uh, he cuts art from vinyl, like uh, records, and so he cuts out art from it and then sells it. But, you know, he does each one with an X-Acto knife by hand on a hot plate or whatever. Going through it takes and forever. It, yeah, it takes it forever, and so they they did a Kickstarter. They started a business and stuff. They're trying to figure out how to manufacture it so that way they could do the designs and then cut them because it's one guy doing yeah. all the work and one guy just trying to help him sell it. And in order to make a little money off of it, there's like a big transition. There. And, the, and the pricing. I mean, you talk about the money side. It's like okay, now I put you know X number of hours into creating this thing. Like, will anyone even buy it? Yeah. Or can I make like a minimum wage? Yeah, from selling this thing that I spent so much time on, you know. Well, it's so crazy it's because you're like a full time artist now, right? Uh, I do a little bit of everything. I mean, I, I mean, I, I've been in the tech industry and startups and stuff. Yeah. Um. So like five years ago, we started uh, a tech company, uh, a mobile app company that was actually um, acquired about two years ago. Oh, cool. So I'm still involved with that company, uh, pushing that forward, and then obviously the art stuff takes up you know a good chunk of time. So I got like a few other things that I'm working on. So I just like to stay busy. Yeah, just hustling. Yeah, I just, I mean, there's, I just, I, like I said, I'm curious by nature. I can never see myself like hammering the same nail every day, you know, because I, you know, I get burned out. So I have to kind of like, keep my mind moving constantly by like yeah. touching different things. That's why I love like being able like, one part of the day you can focus on business oriented tasks, whether it's like sales and marketing or even design in relation to the business context. And then the other part of the day I can do like art things and just be very like creatively free. And they're just so totally polar opposites for yeah. me. 
but it like fulfills me in totally different ways. Oh, that's crazy. Cause being having to do art because you have to do it—that's like the opposite of why you would do art. I feel like like having yeah. to grind out your art is yeah. terrible. So being able to multi-focus like that and break it up a little bit—you got a day where you're not feeling creative and you just focus on the sales side. That's got to be refreshing. Well, that's why I've like purposely not because I get that all the time. Like, why don't you just do that all the time? And it's just like, yeah, t- to your point, it starts to lose its luster and its enjoyment, and it's like crap if I don't draw like these three pictures this week I'm not gonna make my bills and like it's just yeah you lose everything that uh, all the reasons that you started it for out the window completely how many uh how many pieces of art do you turn out a week if (laughs) zero yeah a week I mean I would say because like you know, my stuff's so detail oriented yeah. and, you know, I could, I could probably, I could definitely go faster and produce more volume, but that's just not like my style uh, when it comes to art or business. Like I'm very methodical and I want it to be like the best possible piece that I could draw. So at the end, I mean, I'll do like one and it takes like 40 hours, Yeah, you know, 60 hours. So it's, and that's not like full, full time, like eight hour days. Right. So it like takes Several yeah. weeks to do. You're not one. just loading up on energy drinks and locking yourself in the garage or whatever yeah. to do that. Yeah. yeah, shaking while I try to draw. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Those, those things go great together. <laughs> it's incredible. It's all all the stuff I see you post is all graphite or pencil to paper, which I think is. Um, I mean, first of all, my, all my brain does is think about you're gonna smudge it. I'm like watching videos, and I'm like, you're gonna smudge it. It's gonna smudge. You're gonna have a handprint. I would have like thumbprints on the on the paper outside of it. Um, I can only imagine the, the system and the frustration that goes into having to keep it perfect so you don't make those errors. No, and I and I do. Like I, I'll try to like. So I'm I'm left-handed. So I'll try to start <laughs> yeah. right to left. At least give myself some chance at surviving this piece without destroying it yeah. by smudging. Uh, but then yeah, I'll I'll put like down another piece of paper. But then even then, like you kind of get uh, so involved in the piece, you start jumping around the piece, and then I'm like, oh crap! I just like my hand. It's like black now because I just smeared it across the thing and so yeah i'm definitely more aware but it, how often i mean how often do you start something where you just ruin it and you, ha- you have to like throw your hands in the air and come back tomorrow and start over again has that ever happened to you uh not lately like i'm much more i have like i don't know if it's like superstitious but i have a routine yeah. that i kind of follow that that's I'm a real like, athlete thing right there yeah, yeah yeah it's like okay i got like you know i take a shower and i get like relaxed and i you know, sweats and like I got everything laid out and I got Put my on the Barry Manilow and <laughs> yeah, got my play my playlist lined up and then like you know you're off and running. Oh, that's nuts. So yeah, why uh, why why pencil and paper? Uh, that that's just always uh, it's a few reasons. One has just been like the thing that I've always gravitated towards, but uh, artistically, I think it's like fascinating that now that technology is so prevalent and you can really create anything with technology, right? Whether it's Photoshop or uh, InDesign or video production, like technology has enabled us to really create anything by leveraging those tools. So I almost, I I find it fascinating that that there's like this resurgence of the simplest tool, like a single pencil on a white sheet of paper. Yeah. And then what can you do with that? I think there's, and it's interesting, I went to the, uh, the big Seattle art show that was at the convention center, I don't know, a few months ago. Mm-hmm. It was massive, like hundreds and hundreds of, of like amazing artists there. And I don't think there was a single pencil drawing. I mean, there's like, you know, sculptures and installations and, of course, tons of painting of all, you know, mediums of, of painting, oil, acrylic and all that. But I, I'm like, where's the, pa- where's the pencil? So maybe I'm like a little too far ahead of like that full circle. Yeah. But I think that's just fascinating to me because I, I mean, being a tech guy, 
you know, and seeing what we could do now. Well, what a great unplug then, then to be able to do that. Oh yeah, yeah. At the same time, vinyl becomes cool again. Like there's it's like coming. A, a lot of like the analog. I hope you saved your collection. Yeah, those right? eight tracks that you got, <laughs> man, those are gonna be hot in a couple of years. I'm so stoked that my wife inherited so much awesome vinyl from her dad when he was like, "I'm tired of moving this around. You just have it." Now we've got a great collection at home from yeah. the '70s, which is awesome. Um, well, it's fa- it's fascinating to be able to work in just one medium like that. Do you ever just screw around and other stuff just for the sake of it as well, an art-minded guy? It's I, I want to, but it's like I've only been drawing for like a year, right? Like I, you know, I kind of got back into Wait, it. Wait, what? This has only been going on for a year? Yeah, the level is so bananas, man. Yeah, I mean, kind of, you know, going back to uh, coming out of University of Washington, like I was an art student there, right? So okay, I was all all okay, in. That, makes me, that <laughs> makes me feel a little bit better about my own abilities because I'm like, wow, it's a year. You're like, <laughs> like the highest level. Yeah, and I, I mean, I did some cool stuff. I got to study abroad in Italy, so I lived there for four months. And oh, cool! I live, and it was through the University of Washington, like studio art program. Did you go see a bunch of like a, all the classical fine art and stuff? Oh man, it was like. But it was bananas. My my apartment was a block away from the Vatican. Oh my god! And I would like have to walk through the Vatican, like the courtyard. It was it was horrible. There's like people everywhere. What yeah, a drag. all this like crazy uh, architecture, and then like into like the city of Rome. And our class was like in the Campo di Fiori, which is like a really popular kind of touristy area, but also like a lot of locals go there to like shop. So that was like my daily routine of just like going back and forth. Then we got to travel all over Italy, north to south. So oh. it was just ridiculous times a million. Yeah, it's one thing I regret from college is that I didn't uh, that I didn't do the study abroad at all. Yeah. It's like such a great opportunity. Yeah, it go. didn't matter where you go, but you got to go somewhere. Like, yeah. you're a kid and you have no responsibilities. Like, you got to get out. Um, so I'm glad I did. I can only imagine that you would draw upon that, what you had seen before, either as inspiration or even as, like, method. There had to be lessons learned there that you apply now. Yeah, I mean, there was a full program in place yeah like we wasn't there just like you know fart around like, yeah, there yeah. Was, like teachers and stuff <laughs> of course and yeah assignments so but i mean it was cool just to see that stuff up close and you get exposure to all the different types of art from you know the, the sculptures like i'm a i'm a huge fan of the renaissance period so that was like my mecca to walk through um you know particularly rome and see all the just the crazy stuff that came before me so it was like you know a little bit spiritual from an artistic sure. standpoint um, but yeah, incredible experience. So once, once I finished school, like I said, I just got into like work mode and it's like, now I got to find a job and what do I do? And gave up art cold Turkey. Like I didn't do anything and so much time had elapsed. I think it was about, you know, eight to 10 years had elapsed where I didn't do anything. So at this point, you know, all of my circle of friends, they didn't even know I did any art like ever really, or yeah. it was like this old relic of a thing you did. You know, growing up, you know, it was like, oh, yeah, everyone does art back then. Well, then suddenly we get connected by Facebook and stuff like that, and you start seeing your old friends from that time doing stuff, I imagine. Well, e- even that, like, uh, the the catalyst that got me back into art was actually, you know, it was a, a kind of an unfortunate, uh, you know, situation where, uh, you know, I'd, I'd never really had any intention of getting back into art. I never really thought that was viable. Um, but uh, about a year and a half ago... Well, I guess a few years ago, my mom got sick. She got cancer, and uh, she battled it and, and actually beat it. And, oh wow! And That's it, great. Yeah, that that alone was a, a miracle that she beat it the first time because she had a really bad lung cancer, and you know she smoked for ever her whole life. Um, so you know we thought we just dodged a huge bullet, and then she was fine for like a year, and then it came back again. Mm. And we're like, okay, you know, we beat it once. We're gonna get it again, um, and uh, we're gonna beat it again. And then um, she was 
And if you've ever been around somebody who has gone through like chemo, radiation, like it's obviously a horrible experience, but it's very common to go in and out of the hospital, right? You like mm-hmm. you get really dehydrated and you have to like rush to the emergency room. You're there for like a day or two and you come back and that routine is fairly common. So when she was just starting her second um, battle, like she wasn't feeling good on a Friday, which wasn't unreasonable. Yeah. Uh, so she went into the hospital on Saturday and then she actually passed away on a Sunday. And it was like, bam, bam, and it was like a total shock. So she actually got ammonia and her, you know, her immune system was so weak, she couldn't, couldn't battle it. So it was like, you know, I think when, when you are going through that situation, you know, someone's, you know, battling cancer, you kind of like, you're there and you're prepared for this like battle. And then eventually there's a chance that it could go bad, but you, you know, it's like in the, uh, off in the, in the distant future. But when it happens so sudden like that, like you just, like, you don't even know how to like process that. Mm-hmm. And, and for me, it was like, it was just like a crazy time where I just like, it, like ex- my whole world exploded and I didn't really know what to do. And it just was this time where I had to like sit back and reflect on like everything, my whole life. Like, what am I doing? Where am I going? What's, you know, the legacy I want to live? Like all these really big, like philosophical questions that, you know, they just kind of all hit me at once. And, and, and through that process, I was kind of like thinking about my mom one day. This is, you know, three months later after she had passed, um, you know, thinking about her and, uh, you know, what, what made her happy. And some of her happiest moments was just like being involved with my art. Uh, you know, and it was just, uh, you know, I, I, I was fortunate to have parents that, you know, pushed the arts and let me be uh, free to explore what things I wanted to do. I can only imagine, like, for most parents, if their kids said, hey, I want to go to college and major in art, how much uh, resistance they would be met with. And that wasn't the case at all for me. So, um, you know, I just I just was really thinking about that time and how I hadn't done any art for so long. And that was really, like, the moment. I just, like, man, I should, like, I want to do something. Like, I'm thinking about her. I just want to, like, make something and just spend so long. I don't even know if I can do it. And I just sat down. I drew a picture a picture of Michael Jordan, which is my favorite athlete, you know, basketball roots, and uh, uh, posted that online. And it was like I, I really thought nothing of it. And I was like, oh yeah, I just like did this drawing, whatever. And like all of my friends, you know, on like Facebook, whatever, were like, oh, that's so awesome. I didn't even know you could draw. And it was like got a very warm reception. Um, so I was like, oh, you know, it's cool that people enjoyed the art at the end, and like it really, really helped me actually through the morning kind of process that even that first drawing, but I knew kind of right then, um, it was something that I wanted to continue with in some capacity. I just, you know, it felt good. It felt like it was that time that I could spend with my mom. Cause it was like, just like me and the art and the paper and like silence, right. You know, or, or like my headphones, it was like my time to, to kind of like reflect. And I felt like she, it was like my time to spend with her. Uh, you know, when, when I, you know, I no longer had that opportunity to uh, do in the you know, quote real world. It's incredible when life suddenly comes to an end like that and you realize there's a ton of loose ends, like a person is like interested in something or they were busy doing something and that's just now cut short and how we like have to keep running and create legacy from that person's uh, wherever they got stopped. It's a, it's a really difficult thing to process, I think, Absolutely. Uh, without, I, without an outlet like that. When, and I mean, it's, it's funny because my, my mom was so active with helping other people. Mm-hmm. So I, I have uh, one sibling, a sister who is disabled, right? So I, I mean, right there, I, I kind of grew up a little bit different yeah. than most families. Uh, 
you know, we weren't rich and I had a disabled, uh, you know, sibling. And my mom was really active in Special Olympics. Like she coached all the Special Olympic sports, swimming, basketball, bowling. Like she was always there. And I, and I would always pitch in too. So I just grew up around that. So uh, I think you just develop a, a different appreciation and awareness of people, uh, of all kinds of people, right? Because uh, you're just, you're around that and you see how other people treat them. Uh, you know, they, they get looks and they get comments and you're just, you know, you, you kind of like, you're much more perceptive to, to people in general. Um, so I think when I kind of started to get back in this art thing, I just like had this really renewed emphasis on helping people and trying to figure out how can I do this art thing and make it beneficial to other people beyond just people like, oh, I like that picture. It looks cool, but something very, very real. Well, let's take a let's take a turn there. Then, first of all, it's cool that the Special Olympics are going to be happening here in Seattle in a couple of years. If uh, what is it in seventeen? Is that or? the world? Uh... Yeah, I think it's in eighteen. I guess because it happens. I got to look that up. We'll add that detail in later. Um, <laughs> but let's talk about you. Just uh, you just did a piece for Macklemore and Ryan Lewis, where you guys teamed up. You did two hundred prints of uh, pencil drawing for them. What was it? How'd that come together? Yeah. So I mean, I had this idea really early on of just doing this. Uh, this, this fundraiser concept of, you know, what, what I call 200 for 200, yeah. um, you know, 200 prints for $200 each. And then we would donate a hundred percent of the money to charity. And, uh, you know, I've been fortunate to work with some pretty amazing pe- local people, particularly on the Seahawks, you know, you know, Sherman, Richard Sherman and Bennett and just so many great people, um, on the Seahawks side. And then, uh, you know, the opportunity came up with Macklemore where, um, you know, obviously with all this craziness going on with the election and like the social injustice and there's just so much chaos happening, um, you know, those guys are very, very big proponents on fighting some of those those and addressing some of those big, big issues of social inequality. So um, that that's what we did. We teamed up. I drew a picture of, you know, uh, Macklemore and Ryan Lewis. Uh, I think that was like mm, 40-ish hours to complete. Um, and then, yeah, we signed 200 of them. And uh, they're available. We sold a bunch of them, but I still have a few left. Actually, if people want them, so sure. they're available on the website. Um, How does that come about, though? Like you're like, I'm going to work with Macklemore and Ryan Lewis, and just pick up the phone and say, "Operator, connect me to Macklemore and Ryan Lewis." Like, how do how do you make all those? How do you make those connections happen? And how do you get their interest in a world where they're inundated with information coming at them and horrible things on the internet and positive responses from people all over? Like, how do you cut through? Yeah, I mean, it's. I don't know if there's like a secret sauce, but I think, um, you know, social media has connected us uh, in, in a greater way that we've never seen. Like, you know, you can literally reach out to anybody yeah. and, and the, the, the challenge is getting them to reply. Right. Um, but I've definitely learned that all those people, all those celebrities, they read all the, you know, they'll scroll through their Twitter feed and they'll just see what comments are being made. And 99.9% they won't even yeah. reply. They won't even touch. Um, you know, but Richard Sherman was the first one that I did. Well, actually, what really kind of got me started on, in this kind of trajectory of art was Cam Chancellor, right? So I thought it was fitting that you're wearing his yeah, jersey got, right I now. Got the Cam Chancellor jersey on for those of you who can't see the <laughs> studio. Uh, so Cam, just just an awesome guy, right? I mean, uh, kind of the, the the full story of how my art came to be was after that picture of Michael Jordan. Somebody asked me to do a drawing of Cam. You know, obviously, lots of Seahawks fans around here. So I was, like, I was like, "Yeah, man, let me let me do a piece of Cam," and I I drew that one and posted that online. And Cam saw it. Again, I, I posted it. People see these things, you know. And he actually thought it was you know good enough to reply to. 
Um, so he actually retweeted it to everybody. You must have lost your mind when like Cam oh. Chancellor is like, dude, this is sweet. You're yeah, like, it was ridiculous. Yeah, I couldn't even believe it. Like, I actually people were telling me before I saw it, <laughs> and I was like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, like. Uh, and I was just like, yeah, I replied to him like, thanks, man. Like, I would love to do a piece for you. And he was like, heck yeah. And uh, that's kind of what started, you know, kind you th- of. You think if you saw Cam Chancellor, if he was just like walking down the street right now and you're like, hey, Cam, he'd be like, hey, Keegan, what's up, man? Uh, I would. I, we, we've since we've met several times uh, <sighs> for lunch and stuff. And like, he's like just an awesome guy. Like, we don't even talk about football. Yeah, good. Because he probably gets enough of that, but yeah. yeah, I don't know if you follow him on social media. He's like very like we share a lot of commonalities in terms of like helping other people and motivating and putting out this positive vibe. So no, I mean we we really hit it off. So he's been like awesome to me um, and just kind of helping me along the way. So when I did that piece for him, you know, one thing I really like to do uh, when I create my art is get people involved with the creation process itself. I think so often artists, they go behind the curtain, Mm -hmm. they create something and then like, voila. And like, yeah, it's cool to see the final piece, but I personally think the real magic is in the process. So I'll post a a new picture picture and or video every day of my drawings as I progress through them. So when I was doing that piece for Cam, he was um, resharing all of those as I, you know, did his drawing. So it was like the amplification was just crazy, right? So like I started to get a little bit more of an audience. So he was like that that first person who really took a chance on me in getting my art out there. That's I mean you're starting at the top. That's like super cool. Yeah, it was a good place to start for sure. Absolutely. All stemmed out of just needing to like mourn a little bit and to like use your to use a different part of your brain and your heart. It sounds like that's yeah. I mean I think people now, um, you know, they see. it's very hard to put on like a fake persona. I mm-hmm. think like you can you can fake it for so long, but after a while, people kind of see through it. And uh, I think as I've progressed through this journey, I've tried to you know stay like very genuine and true to who I am and like the values that I believe in. And um, I think people like the art is one piece of the puzzle. Puzzle, you know, it's not like the whole puzzle. So like when I go out and I talk to like students, like I was at high school a few days ago. I'm talking to another one next week. And just like trying to talk to people about the real world that they're getting into and how, in my opinion, like so many people are like told to follow this linear path in life, right? Like you go to school, maybe you, you have to go to college, uh, then you have to get a job and then, you know, picket fence and house and mm-hmm. get married. And like, it's, it's very, a very dry existence if you just look at it in those black and white terms and like, I guess I've had enough. Says the guy who does graphite on paper. <laughs> yeah, the irony there. Um, but I guess I've had an, uh, enough uh, experiences that I've realized that, like, this whole social construct is like a myth. And, and, like, if you want to do something different that is totally, like, outside of the social norms, it's entirely possible. Yeah. And, like, I, I, I use my own self as, like, that case study from whether it's, you know, navigate going back to like grad school and then going the startup route and just like not having any clue what you're doing, but like finding your path. And, and luckily I came out the other side alive and, you know, it was good to even like getting into this art thing where it's, it's such a hard business. Right. And it's, Mm -hmm. uh, so just trying to figure out, you know, how can I, how can I make it? So I love the challenge and I love like the narrative that falls along with it, that you can really actually do anything you want it's hard as hell. 
Um, but if you can figure that out and you enjoy the process, that, that the process itself yeah, is it's more the journey, rewarding. not the destination yeah. type thing. Very zen. You're a very in the moment <laughs> guy, which is fascinating. Um, have you found yourself ever, at any point getting caught up in it where you lose sight of uh, how awesome it is, what you're doing, is it, or is it still too new? Um, it's. I, I'm a pretty like emotional and like sensitive person where. Like in the beginning, I would like really geek out to like, oh my God, the Seahawks retweeted me or like, you know, I would like really freak out and I was like, you know, shaking to that extent. So, um, but that, that feeling was like so awesome. And it reminded me that like people were enjoying my work and it was getting out to a a greater, a greater crowd. So I don't think it ever like wears off, you know, but you, you get more um you learn to manage it more so i like try to not go on these polar roller coaster rides of highs and lows as much um and instead like try to keep it more professional and just kind of hopefully you know you achieve this one goal and then like you set the next one you just kind of keep climbing the mountain tell me about this uh this this piece that you did of the president and first lady having that intimate moment where they're just they're caught dancing yeah and that you got to do that what was uh what brought that up yeah, so I, I didn't know this at the time, but apparently um, Governor Inslee is kind of a, a big artist himself. You know, like he really enjoys art. and um, That's awesome. Yeah, I don't know if anyone knows. I don't know if I'm supposed to be telling people that, if it matters oh, fine, or not. Whatever, yeah. <laughs> uh, and from what I heard, he used to draw a, uh, a, a children's book for a his what? kids every year for Christmas. So it was like a family thing. Yeah. But he would draw this for uh, for his kids. And then now that his kids are older, he w- uh, he was drawing these books for his grandkids. So he like he's kind of like always like drawing. It's been a part of his life. So uh, 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 we have a mutual friend who was like, hey, man, like the president's coming here and we really want to do something special for him or get him a gift that's like totally different. And he's like, you know, what do you think? You know, would you be interested? And he well, at first he kind of approached it like, you know, if you want to do this drawing, I'll, I'll try to get it to him. And I was kind of like, man, what are the odds of he him actually getting this? Like, it's pretty low. Like, okay, he, you're just going to get it. The to most the powerful man in the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah like, okay, sure. And, and I was actually getting ready to head out of town. And, uh, and he's like, oh, yeah, and I need it in like two days. And I'm like, okay, well, let me like take a step back. One is probably not humanly possible because it's probably, you know, 40 hours and, you know, a couple days. And like the math doesn't really work out very well. And then compound it with the fact that he's probably not even going to get it because, yeah, he's busy and whatever. So I, I almost wasn't even going to do it. And then my wife was like, I talked with my wife and I was like, I don't know, what do you think, man? Like, and I was like, screw it. I'm just going to go for it. So I did like this, this two day marathon session of art where it was like 16 hour days, uh, just back to back. Like my mind was just fried, but I just had to get this thing done. And um, it was funny because even leading up to it, there was like no, um, there wasn't any direction. It was kind of like, "Hey, man, can you just create a piece?" And I was like, "Whoa, okay." Like, it's both an artist's like dream and also nightmare yeah, to like, like have no direction. <laughs> I really don't want to screw this up. Um, so I just thought, like, man, is like, as a person, as a married man, what's like the most amazing gift of art that I could ever receive? And it would probably be something of like my wife, you know, like how cool would that be? So that's kind of how the concept came about. So I started like looking at reference Im- images. I didn't really find one that I really loved. So I ended up combining several um, just to create that really like intimate moment where it's a, a you know, close up shot of Michelle, 
but you know he's there you kind of see just his back but it's it's very like i think it's a, a piece that anyone can relate to kind of that love and affection and you almost strip off the fact that they're the president and first lady that's exactly what it does it, it, it humanizes them to this like super like surreal moment it's crazy yeah so, so I, I that that was kind of the concept behind it and then um and I, I left out of town and then the fact that he actually got it and got presented with it and like they talked about it and I like I was told all these stories of like him and he and Inslee were just like what you know, he's like, Oh, that's so amazing, the detail is crazy and I remember that moment, you know, during the inauguration ball and like all these things were like he just like told the whole story all from that piece. So Were you bummed you couldn't be there? I was totally bummed, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, what are the odds that I would be out of town this time? Where'd you hear the story from from Governor Inslee? <laughs> Well, it was so I got um, a picture of me as it was happening. Someone was sending me pictures. Of, oh my god! Yeah, the, the two of them talking as they're lo- looking at the artwork, and so it was like firsthand of like this is happening right now. I was like, oh, crap. can you imagine being the president and like everything that you're doing? Like you're trying to have a conversation with the governor, and you can't just be on the level because there's 19 <laughs> cell phones recording everything, and there's a, the, his own photographer is snapping away, and like yeah. it must be really frustrating that, that you- bubble. I'm sure he's. Ready to get the heck out of that bubble. I guess he'll probably never get out of it, really, right? But, Absolutely. We'll have Secret Service for the rest of his life. That's... But that's what was cool. Like they were, so I didn't really know. I'm thinking, okay, now it's he, he got this cool piece of artwork, and he'll probably just toss it in the closet somewhere, or, or it won't even go with him. He's going to go to some intern or yeah. something. Thanks a lot. Auction this <laughs> off at a cancer thing or something like that. Yeah. Like, yeah the, but I learned that um, uh, since it's officially a gift from a dignitary on behalf of the state of Washington... It gets like this fancy label, so they can only end up in one of two places. It's either going to be um, in the presidential library, which they're building in Chicago right now. Oh, cool! So I might get to see it <laughs> again, so which would be pretty rad. Or he is going to take it home with him. So I guess it's good if I don't see it again ever, or because it means <laughs> he has it. That's so crazy. So I guess it's kind of a win-win. Now, what if somebody like really wanted to surprise their spouse with a gift or something like that? Are you commissionable? Is, I, that, I, is that a word also? It is, and, and I am. It's uh, it's been uh, man, it's been crazy as I got you know more awareness. Like you get people from everywhere who want all kinds of you know drawings done. Um, Kanye and, wants a picture of Kim's butt. <laughs> I, don't have a, I don't have a paper that big, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So I've definitely done like a bunch of commissions for people, and I, I, you know, but again, it's not really scalable. So I have to be very, uh, you know, careful on what I select, and I'm I, in that selection process. I do things that are much more art oriented, so I don't gravitate towards like portraits of like someone like smiling in front of a camera you know yeah. i'm much more interested in like moments capturing a moment yeah. so so yeah it is possible <laughs> i'm just a little bit more selective on kind of the subject matter so when you decide that you're going to take the time to draw a portrait of your daughter with her guardian which is a giant black puma i assume <laughs> you don't a have a puma at home that one no unfortunately i had to veto that one the, okay. the daughter was pushing hard but no tell her to follow that black Jaguar white tiger on uh, on Instagram if she needs to see a bunch of pumas Get and tigers and stuff. Of, yeah, uh, the, feline the, fix. yeah, the guy's awesome. Um, <laughs> but like, you have to choose then between doing something for your family or doing something that you could be commissioned for. Yeah, and I tried to push that off as long as I could until, and finally, my you know, uh, my wife really wanted something. Um, and again, same with me. Like I was doing all this sports stuff because that's just kind of how I got back into it sure. and I just was kind of rolling with it but I wanted to do I had so many other interests uh, that I wanted to explore so um, I've always been fascinated with like the human body and um, my wife is you know beautiful so I she was a great 
kind of subject matter to work from. So I just did this really cool piece that, you know, it's, I wouldn't call it nudity because you don't see anything, but you see your whole back. Tasteful nudes. Yeah, a little tip of her butt crack, (laughs) but it's tasteful, I think. Um, So, yeah, it was just a really fun piece for me, and she really liked it. And then, of course, my daughter is watching this thing unfold, and, you know, the pressure coming from your daughter is like, hey, Dad, let's get get moving on this. Yeah, I really like that. Hint, hint. (laughs) I have all these other drawings. You guys are costing me, like... You know, but you started to do ROI on this. You're like, hold on. Yeah, the opportunity costs of this piece right here. Oh gosh, just like I don't want to think about it. Um, but yeah, again, it goes back to not having to do art to like make money, right? So yeah. I get to like do fun stuff like that. Oh, that's awesome. Finally, what hangs on the walls in your house? That's that's actually funny. That this is all it all ties in because we don't really. So we just moved in. We just bought a house in December in uh, in Kirkland. And, cool. Yeah, and it was. Basically, our plan was to buy the crappiest house in like the nicest area that we could afford, and that's exactly what we did. We found it. found a really crappy house, and uh, <laughs> it was awesome. So we've been we we've uh, renovated it over the past you know six seven months, and now it's you know it's kind of like our dream home. Um, but we had nothing on the walls, uh, so these two pieces were kind of part of that. Like, okay, what do we put? Like, as an artist, I feel weird about just putting like random art pieces on the wall so i had to do something that was very family oriented so i did uh we you know we did, we did this fireplace thing so uh, my wife on one side my daughter on the other and then this other part of the house um we got this huge canvas like a five or six foot canvas like massive and um we wanted to create something that was very like uh reflective of who we are as people like we really like to have fun and smile and stay positive but we're all like very different like my wife is from romania and I have a different background. My, my daughter, she's into art too. And uh, we're just very unique in, in a lot of regards. So we decided to come up with this uh, painting of a laughing zebra. <laughs> totally random, <laughs> which is weird. fitting. And we all painted on it. Oh, what? That's kind of cool. So yeah, my wife, my daughter, and me, we, we all were painting on this huge canvas of this laughing zebra. So that's the other big piece that's now in our house. Oh, that's fantastic to be able to have all your own stuff hanging up. Yeah. I could see like some artists say it would come across as like, a, as like a, oh, he has his own pieces on the and wall. And I hate that. Yeah, I was but, like very resistant. But listen to you. You're like, you're the most, most positive person. You're not doing this <laughs> to get your own ego kicks, it sounds like. That's nuts. No, yeah. And I, I don't keep, I, I give away so much to like charity. Like if any charity is like, hey, we have an auction coming up, like, can you get a, give us a print or something? It's like- hundred percent every time I've sent out like hundreds and hundreds of prints. Like if I can like leverage my art to do something good, like yeah. man, it's going to happen every time. I'm doing it every time. Oh, that's amazing. All right. Hop online to keeganhall.com. That's with two E's, K-E-E-G-A-N.hall. No, hall.com. I'm reading the wrong thing It's a weird here. name. Uh, or uh, hop onto Facebook, for instance. Keegan, it's uh, facebook.com slash keeganhallart. You're on Instagram, Twitter. You're all over the place. Oh, did you, I remember you got hacked at some point. Did you ever get your social media back? Kinda, yeah, I did. It was a long process, and that was like a crazy story by itself. I don't know how he did it, but he totally locked me out of my own accounts, so I couldn't reset the password because he replaced the email address. Yeah, and then um, it was over the weekend, so like uh, Instagram wasn't there to help. So then he was posting on my behalf, saying, "Man, this something really bad happened. I need money. I'm selling all my drawings." Uh, pick any drawing off my page, and I'll sell it to you. Make me an offer, and people were like buying stuff from this person thinking it was me oh my god you must have been losing your mind yeah and i couldn't like do anything like, i would post like 
from like my wife's account and he would just delete it and like block her so she can't get in now. And there was like nothing. And then it was just a big, big, and like and on the back end, he's like extorting me for money, trying to anyways, like give me this five figure amount if, or I'm going to like make your life even worse. You know, this is just the beginning. It was like this crazy, crazy thing. Wow. Did the internet police come and save you at some point? Well, I just, I, I never responded to this guy. Like, Smart. Yeah, he, uh, so I was just like a black box. He was like send, he was like sending me text messages from like spoof numbers, right? So it's all untrackable. Um, so he was just like bombarding me all a over the place. Professional crook, man. Yeah, he, yeah, he's, he's hackers, dude. You know, they 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 hide. They got VPNs. You don't know where they're coming from in the world. Um, so he would like tell me all these threatening things he's gonna do to me and be like, by the way, you're an amazing artist. <laughs> he'd like end all of his like. You know, yeah. requests like that. Buzz off, jerk. <laughs> yeah, it's like... Also, thank you. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate that part, but man, you are a big a-hole. Uh, <laughs> That's awesome. Thanks for coming in, dude. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. You've been listening to So You're in Seattle with Gregor. Follow him on Twitter at HeyGregor. Find more episodes online at SoYou'reInSeattle.com. So You're in Seattle is a burrito butt production. Yeah, you're a good dog chowder. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.